Hello, hello. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. Here we are. We're here. We're back. What you got for us today? I don't... Oh, sorry. Do we have business? <laughs> I'm sorry. We're definitely too far, like, recording too far in advance to have business. Like, this is like three That's or four true. weeks out at this point, so... That's true. I don't even know. I don't know. Thank you, listeners. Welcome, you. new listeners. Oh, this comes out after um, our Halloween special. So thank you guys so yeah. much for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. We've had so much fun putting it together. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Love Gage and Ray. We love you guys. So, yeah. That's our Other business. Other than that. Yeah. That's we're our good. business. Well, we can jump right in we today. We can. Well, I promise this is the last one of these cases for a while, but... Here we are again. <laughs> she can't help herself. <laughs> With another teen killer. I'm sorry. I just, th- I'm gravitated to them. And I think I did some reflection this week as to why. Okay. Because this will be at least the third in a row. Yes. <laughs> for you guys. But I think it's because I have such a great relationship with my family. I have actual nightmares about them dying. What's that like? sorry i know i know that that's the a lot of people don't have that and i'm very 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 lucky yes to have an amazing family um so i think it just fascinates me because i'm like what do you mean why did you do that why would you yeah i mean i don't have a my relationship with my mom is better now but everybody else not so much but I would never want to kill anybody. No. <laughs> so what drives a person yeah, to... Yeah, it's just so intriguing. I think, I mean, I think we all know the answer, though. Mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, that's... Peace and love. <laughs> oh, God. That's the worst. When that's the reason. You're looking oh, at me confused. Yeah, like, I am confused. Love is the worst. No, love... I mean, sometimes it can be. <laughs> no, I just mean, like, peace and love. Sorry that you have <laughs> mental illness. Yeah. Oh, well. sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've i talked about oh, yes. that I have close loved ones that suffer from mental illness. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, yeah, and after starting this podcast, I have prayed dearly that <laughs> <laughs> they would never fall in love with another person that is like, you know what we should do? <laughs> we should off your family yeah. and run off into the sunset, right off it into the sunset. It happens so much. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't one of those cases. Okay. Well, that's mostly. good. Because that's where I thought you were going with no, that. No, mostly not. Mostly not. But this week we're talking about the, oh my gosh, I've been tr- practicing saying it. And then, of course, when you like start doing it, you get stage <laughs> fright because you're worried you're going to say it wrong. Sapinkowski. Sapinkowski. Sapinkowski family from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Okay. What's up? I'm from Charlotte. Here we are, Chapel Hill, Charlotte, different places. It's all good. There's a Chapel Hill in Akron, an area in Akron. Interesting. This is also an area. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> James and Allison Sapinkowski were well-known pillars in their community with four children in a very successful business. Big Jim Sapinkowski was very active at the hockey rink, whether he be coaching club hockey for UNCC, or I'm sorry, not UNCC. I, where I'm from is UNCC. This is UNCCH, UNCH, University of North Carolina at yeah, Chapel, Chapel Hill. Hill. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. Force a habit. He either coached their club hockey level or he played himself in like adult pickup hockey. Okay. 
He was there like four or five days a week. He loved hockey. He was a very hardworking businessman, and he and his wife owned and operated an oil exploration business and were very well off financially. Allison was very smart, driven, and very devoted to raising her children. Like I said, they had four children. The older two were half-siblings, and then the younger two, um, Lauren, who was a freshman in college, and Adam, who was a junior in high school. Okay, question. Yes. Were half-siblings mom or dad? I don't know. Oh, okay. Very strategic saying of half-siblings. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Of course, me with all the half-siblings. No, it's actually, it's good that you bring it up because the family is actually very private. And okay. they are very private, you know, the whole time. And um, we'll talk about it at the end. So it's kind of one of those situations, I'm guessing, then, where they're half-siblings. But as far as most people know, they're just like, these are our kids. These are our four kids. Yeah, I don't really know. Okay. I don't really know how they how they uh, portrayed it. But I know that Lauren and Adam, at the very least, were full-blooded siblings, both okay. Allison and James. All or right. Big Jim, as everybody called him. Big Jim. Got it. He was six foot five. He was a big guy. Yeah. Uh, the couple, both Jim, regular Jim. Regular Jim. <laughs> regular regular. Jim. We're just going to call him regular <laughs> Jim now. <laughs> regular Jim and Allison were big philanthropists. And regular Jim was known for buying tickets um, to the hockey games, like the big hockey games, like the, the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd buy hundreds of tickets at a time and donate them to young kids who were interested in hockey. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the family was doing well financially, like super well. Both Adam and his sister attended Durham Academy, which was a private school that was straight out of Gossip Girl, like sushi mm-hmm. lunches and Thai lunches and like rushed like catered yeah. stuff. And it cost about $16,000 annually per child. Lauren grad- better with those kind of lunches. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lauren graduated a year prior and she was now a freshman in college. This is all happening in the year 2002. I'm so sorry. That, no, 2005. Okay. I was born in 2002, which is why I said it's 2005. Okay. That's the year I got married. Aw. Adam drove a 2004 Chevy Tahoe, which is basically brand new. Oh, my. And he had full access to a line of credit, or I think it was like, there's several different accounts, but basically he had access to about upwards of $40,000 on a regular basis of his parents' money. Ah. But, 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 but. but. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yes. Um, fun fact about the family. So what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have $40,000 on a regular basis now. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. What? Yep. Okay. And then I'll come into play later. No comment. (laughs) Yeah. Fun fact about this family. They are so much the archetype of the American dream family that an author wrote a children's book based off of them. That didn't age well, did it? Nope. This is true crime. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This white picket fence family, like, they were the dream. Yikes. Nothing fishy was even going on until Allison's sister tried to call her on Mother's Day of 2005 and couldn't get in touch with her. She hadn't heard from her sister in over a week, and she tried to get in touch with her son, Adam, who was still living in the home, because obviously he was 16, and thinking, well, oh, well, maybe she's just been super busy, but, like, let me just make sure, and I'll call Adam, and Adam didn't answer. So she decided it had been over a week to call the police and to do a wellness check. Yeah. Yep. That's smart. Yeah. 
the police pulled up and they found a locked home. So they started knocking on neighbors' doors to just be like, hey, have you seen them? Like, has anybody put eyes on them? Are they okay? Yeah. And one of the neighbors said that, no, we haven't seen them, but the lights in their driveway have been on for like over a week. And that's really weird because they normally turn them off. Yeah. During the day. Yeah. During the day. And they also said, well, we haven't seen Adam either, but his girlfriend lives in the neighborhood as well. And they give the girlfriend's name to the police. Okay. So they then drive over to Adam's girlfriend's house. And she basically says that she hasn't seen him, but that she knew he had been staying at a hotel for a couple weeks now. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So they were like, well, that's really weird. Let's try and track him down. And because he was a minor, they're like, okay, well, we can't get in touch with his parents. We really need an adult family member here before we talk with him. Yeah. Or we need to call a social worker. So they started by calling his oldest brother, Chris, and he was in like the city and he ended up coming in. And he went with them to go pick up Adam from the motel. Okay. So they get there and it was a Marriott, like a courtyard Marriott, if that matters to anybody. (laughs) I don't know why it would, but um, they got there. It's a nice hotel. Nice enough. Yeah. It was in Durham area. And when they picked him up, um, obviously Chris was there and Adam explained that his parents had left to go to El Paso where one of their older sons lived. And that he hadn't heard from them since they left. And why are you in a hotel? No explanation given. Does not offer anything. Yeah. What teenager would be like, I have the house to myself, but I'm going to go stay at this courtyard. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Maybe the free breakfast. It did have free breakfast and a pool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they got money. I imagine they have a pool. You know, I don't know if they did or not. I didn't well, solo I it. I mean, not that you... Yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm speculating here. Yeah. They arrived at the home, which was like 5,600 square feet. It was a really big house. Mm-hmm. And Adam gets there, and they're like, okay, let's go inside. And he says, I don't have a key. <laughs> <laughs> you can stay at a hotel and be on your own. But no house key. But you, have, but you can't be responsible for house key? What? Or so he says. Well, I think it was just his last touch effort of being like, Oh, you can't go in there because cause I don't have a key. Oh, darn. darn He's it. padding his pockets. <laughs> oh, dang. I left it in the hotel. Actually, no. They never gave me one. I'm sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Yeah. Wouldn't you have loved to see how the police reacted to that? Because <laughs> at that point, they're like, what do you mean you don't have a key? <laughs> but obviously, they just used a credit card and like swiped it and went inside the house anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. So they started poking around, and I'm pretty sure that Chris and Adam were outside. And as the police got closer to the center of the house, their stomachs dropped because they smelled the smell that every cop knows too well. Ugh. They smelled death. They found a towel stuffed underneath the door to the master bedroom and chairs barricading the door and immediately just kind of backed up and called for backup. They were like, oh, that's definitely not good. So... Let me guess. They go outside and Adam's like, oh, maybe it's a raccoon. (laughs) I don't don't (laughs) know. A raccoon got in the house and that's why I was at the hotel. I think, do you mean a skunk? No, the raccoon's dead. Oh, I thought you meant like a skunk like skunks the place. Well, maybe maybe Maybe. it was a skunk. A rodent. A A rodent. A mammal. Got in and died. 
where I trapped it, and then it died because he had been at the hotel for days. Weeks. Weeks. Weeks at the hotel. Yeah, even better. Look at that. Perfect alibi. Yeah. Don't you don't need to go don't, check. Don't, don't you check. don't need to check. You don't need to don't check. check. I'll call somebody. Oh yeah. Check. I'll be uh yeah, I should have called somebody weeks ago. I just I just didn't want to deal with it. I had a lot of homework to do. <laughs> Investigators come to the scene and they take photos of the door, obviously, before they open it. Mm-hmm. And then they do start removing the chairs and towels. They open the door and they find a particularly gruesome scene. First, they see James wrapped in a blanket with a pool of blood under his head. Further into the room and into the ensuite bathroom, they find Allison also wrapped in a blanket with blood under her body. The two had obviously been decomposing for several weeks at this point, and it must have been like a completely horrible sight. Like, I can't imagine. They walk outside, they read Adam his rights, and he immediately confesses to the murders. Uh, Well. I mean, smart kid. What are you going to do? Yeah, they literally, you, they caught him keyless. <laughs> You're keyless. <laughs> trying to blame it, on, trying to pin it on a raccoon. He could have done that. He could have said it was the raccoon. The raccoon used a shotgun. <laughs> you know, they're smart. Have you, They're resourceful. <laughs> they, do they have thumbs? They. I don't know. I've only seen them when they're rubbing their hands together. <laughs> I think they have, have thumbs, but I don't think they're opposable. Yeah. No. They're not. Yeah. I'm sure they're not sure. opposable. <laughs> <laughs> we are oh, exhausted. Lord. Yeah. We are so this tired. So bad. I'm so sorry, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Anyway, so Adam in the spring of 2005 had started to let his grades slip, like in the early winter and the spring, and everything was kind of falling apart. He and his father apparently got into several arguments about this, and it's understandable when you realize how much his parents are paying in tuition. Yeah. They hired a tutor to assist Adam in finding the right college and helping him through the application process. This sort of service ran about $2,000. In their family, Adam seemed like the odd man out. At least I think he thought he was, kind of thing. I'm speculating a little here, but for the sake of it. He was an introvert, unlike his extroverted family. He was not nearly as ambitious as the rest of his family. I don't really want to speculate about why the crime occurred. But I'm going to. (laughs) Because I'm going to. Lauren was a devoted, smart, talented person. She was a passionate actress, and she mirrored her parents' ambition, hardworking, and in achieving attitudes. She's an actress. She is. She went. She's a theater. She's a theater student. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. She had all of the qualities that Adam didn't in their family, and I think that he sort of felt like the odd man out. There's no indication of his parents saying anything to him other than what he says they said. He said, she said moment. Mm, Yeah. But I'm painting a picture, people. Trying to get you to understand the environment. On April 28th, 2005, two days before his junior prom, Adam and his father allegedly got into another screaming fight about Adam's grades. Adam claims that his dad had threatened him with a baseball bat. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and that Adam had was provoked and in self-defense shot his father three times from a few feet away, hitting him in the neck, chest, and forehead. But, 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 but. Just wait, because there's no way that this is the real story. Well, yeah. How do you, <laughs> like, he comes to you with a bat and you just happen to have a gun right there? Like, uh, he didn't even have the bat. He was just threatening him with yeah. the bat. They found the bat, like, upstairs. 
The blood trails through the home indicate that his father was shot in the kitchen and that he, his mother, Allison, was shot in the bedroom. Okay. She was in her nightgown and was shot in the shoulder before being shot in the temple, which actually killed her instantly. They were shot using a single barrel shotgun that had to be reloaded in between each shot. Yeah. Which is horrible to think about. Reloading the gun, intentionally making the choice in between each shot. Yeah. He painstakingly told detectives that after the murders, he wrapped his parents in blankets, dragging his mother to the bathroom and his father from the kitchen into the bedroom. He put towels under the door, barricaded the door shut with chairs, changed out of his bloody clothes, and the next day, he attended classes at Durham like normal. The day after, he dressed into his suit, picked up his girlfriend, and they went to the prom. After the prom, he invited people over for an after party. What is with these teenagers bringing people? Oh, my gosh. All with his parents' bodies in their bedroom already decomposing. Now, for long-time listeners, you know that we have covered another disgustingly specific case like this. Mm -hmm. Tyler Hadley, the king of killer parties. Pretty sure that was in Coral Gables, Florida. Something like that. That sounds correct. Yeah. He didn't go to prom, but he did throw a party after killing his family. And I I think that these two are drastically different other than the fact that there was a party involved. Yeah. Because it's just the circumstances were different. Go, I recommend that episode. It was one, one of mine, surprisingly. <laughs> it's no. good. What? <laughs> it's, it's good. It um, was a good episode. Fascinating case, that one. Um, but they are different. Different vibes, I think. There's similar psychology in the whole, like, wrapping the bodies yes. in the blankets, hiding and them hiding in the bedroom, the barricading and Barricading it. the door, yeah. And then inviting people over. Yeah, and, like, it's I think strange. that there's got to be some sort of psychology, and I'm I'm never going to be the one who's, like, arm, armchair psychologist yeah, that's, because I'm not, it's not my bag. Well, that's, that's so beyond... Yeah. You can't armchair yeah. psychology that. And That's like, just, but no. it's, they're basically what they're doing is bringing innocent people to the scene of the crime or to the burial site. Yeah. On top of the fact that they're literally bare. I mean, Tyler Hadley had buried his parents alive and they're well, not alive, but bodies in their Yeah, room. that was extra. That was. Yeah. So it's, it's different, but there are really strange similarities to it, which is so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. At the party, of course, people started to notice the smell because it had been a few days, like 36 to 48 hours at this yeah. point. And bodies start to smell at like the 24-hour mark sometimes. And so he explained it away by saying that their fridge had gone bad and that there was like rotting food. But it's a very different smell. And it's stronger. <laughs> it's not stronger in the kitchen. It's stronger. In the bedroom. <laughs> in, like near the bedrooms. That's yeah. Well. Weird. Oh, well, we got to. Towel under the door. We have a fridge for the raccoon in the bedroom. Yeah, it's the raccoon fridge. Everybody has a raccoon fridge. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. On May 1st, the following week, he checked into the motel and he continued to go to school for a full week, living out of the hotel and abandoning the bodies of James and Allison in the home. The following weekend was Mother's Day, and that's when Allison's sister tried to call her to wish her happy Mother's Day and to check in. She couldn't get a hold of her and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's terrifying. But what, what freaked me out the most was hearing her say that she'd called her over and over again. And then I started thinking about 
the phone ringing in their abandoned 5,600 square feet house Mm -hmm. with their bodies there. What an eerie thought. Yeah. Adam had no record or disciplinary actions at school prior. And so there were no obvious answers to the why question. Mm. I mean, he told the detectives that they got into a fight, but the escalation was insane when there had been nothing previously. Yeah. Jim just thought that Adam had been spending too much time with his girlfriend and not enough time with his studies. In another shocking discovery at the crime scene, detectives discovered a bloody report card. I mean, this case is straight up out of a freaking cop show. It's just insane. This case has so much imagery. Like, yeah, was the dad, like, holding the report card as they're mm -hmm. fighting? I'm assuming. Wow. I mean, and then, so I wrote this little snippet in my notes of, like, I think for me, when I'm researching a case and I'm writing it down and I'm writing the narrative of it, I'm an avid reader. And so when I'm mm-hmm. writing these things, I'm I'm watching it in my head and it's super humanizing and it keeps everything in perspective for me. But this case in particular just had some like really eerie moments mm-hmm. and the phone ringing and her sister calling her in this big house that's just completely empty. Oh. I just I I just felt for the family because in that moment, his parents were so lonely. They were all by themselves. It was just horrible. I sound ridiculous. I'm sorry. But I don't think it's ridiculous. It is very eerie. I struggle with these cases, which is why I'm not I don't mind. I, I mean, I enjoy sitting and listening to you tell the cases, but. I don't ever have the desire to do a lot of these cases because especially when there's not like a history of mental health issues, like it sounds like there wasn't in this case, is how how does a typical teenager get so disgruntled? Yeah. Like, yeah, slam your doors, rebel, don't do your homework. Yeah, I mean... I can't wait till I'm 18 and I can leave here and you just wait and see, like, all that stuff. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Like, be mad at your parents. Everybody, like, most people, even families that are relatively healthy families in good shape, it's not unusual to have sibling rivalry or Mm -hmm. for one kid to feel like... I feel like I don't fit in with my family because they're extroverted and I'm introverted. Mm -hmm. Like... That's all normal stuff that most people go through stuff like that. So it's it just weirds me yeah. out. And I can't I think because we as humans want to make sense of. Yeah. Things. And I think it comes back to um, during the well, at the sentencing phase of the trial. Which isn't really a trial, but we'll talk about it. Lauren says. That they have a very private family and that through his actions, Adam has made it very public. And so I wonder if there was stuff happening more stuff, that we yeah. didn't know, that we can't know about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That would kind of lead, not explain, but like give us more context to his escalation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't justify it, but it would yeah. explain it. And it's very easy to look at, especially a family with wealth and stuff, mm-hmm. and go, oh, spoiled brat. Like, he just was so entitled. And da, 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 da. 
But it even that just doesn't like, is that where we are? <laughs> oh, it's hard because then you hear Lauren speak and she's so eloquent in her her little speech that she made at the sentencing hearing. She acknowledges that they were given everything they could to be functioning members of society and that her parents were their best friends. And yeah, you know, it's it's you really it's really hard to tell what was going on behind closed doors. In this case, it's just such a great example of like, you never know. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Basically, going back to Adam's story, he said that during this argument, James threatened to hit him with the baseball bat and that apparently this was not the first time and that he hit Adam in the past with the same aluminum bat that they had. And so in self-defense, fearful that his dad was going to beat him, he he shot him. So investigators took the bat and they also took a look inside Adam's 2004 Chevy Tahoe where they found food, camping equipment, shotguns, and basically items that made it look like he was about to make a run for it. So I know what you're thinking. If he was going to make one run for it, why did he wait two weeks after he killed his parents and he never ran? Yeah. The reality is it's because he asked his girlfriend to go with him and she said no. But she had no context in the murder. She was just like, what are you talking about running away? So she said no. Or I don't, you know what? Actually, I don't know if it was confirmed that he asked her or if he was waiting to ask her. I'm not sure. But he was, anyway. He didn't want to leave without her. Yes. His intention was for her to come with him. And again, the police thought it was important to remember that he had access to upwards of $40,000 just regularly. So he thought that he could just take off, you know? And so anyway, he confessed at the scene of the crime. So let's talk about what happens now that he's confessed. And they've, you know, had a medical examiner look at everything and they figured out the timeline. It's about two weeks. Here we are. What happens now that he's caught? The burden of proof of it all. Here we are. Now, he's a minor, which means that, of course, the court documents are very hard to find. Yes. I don't like doing it this way, but I did do most of this part of the research based on news articles and reportings of the of the case. I like to look at the court docket. I like to look at yeah. everything. Sometimes Good at this time. She, yeah, sometimes you can't. Yeah. But basically, they arrest him. They attempt to charge him as an adult with both murders, and he's held in Orange County without bail. His defense attorney tried to say that, again, the shootings were provoked by previous physical and emotional abuse. And they even interviewed one of Adam's friend who said that he referred to Adam's dad as psycho dad because he had heard him yell at Adam before. His whole family cut ties with him directly after the crimes. No one could corroborate or would corroborate the abuse allegations. They did not pay for an attorney either, so he was being defended by a public defender. Hmm. Early into the court process, Adams' defense attorneys file five different notices detailing their different defensive attempts. Several of these are contingent on Adams' mental health and limited capacity at the time of the crime. Basically, they sent up, they they said, here are five different reasons that we could claim, like, here's five different defenses that we may use. And one of them is that he was insane at the time of the crime, basically. Okay. They were going to lean towards the diminished capacity insanity defense, but they were going to choose which one of these five defenses they were going to use based on the judge or the jury. They were just going to feel the vibes out. Yeah. Fascinating choice. Hey. Yep. And the criminal court system can be slow sometimes. This took a long time, but about a year into staying at the county jail, he wrote a letter claiming that he was suicidal and that he needed help. He was transferred to a hospital and placed on suicide watch. 
And this is when he started reporting to doctors that he had been hearing voices since he was in middle school and that they had become more frequent prior to the murders. He said that these suicidal thoughts would emerge after his parents yelled at him or ridiculed him about how he was not working hard enough in school. Doctors that were evaluating him stated that he had PTSD from the killings and that he would often have flashbacks of the crime. He was eventually deemed to not be a threat to himself or others and was transferred back into the county jail. Two years after the crime, Adam accepts a plea deal. This plea deal was interesting. They didn't, they stacked it. They did two separate plea deals. The first one was a felony obstruction of justice charge. Okay. They did this one first so that he would have a felony on his record. And then when they did the second deal, which was second degree murder, two or two degree, two charges yes. of second degree murder, counts. they would be able to sentence him more strictly based on the fact that he had a previous felony. Yeah. That was the first time I've ever heard him do it like that. It was interesting. I've not heard of that, but that that's very yeah. strategic of them. And if they can do it, if yeah. it's allowed, then by all means. If you gotta make a plea deal, then works which smarter, I assu- harder. Which I assume they just did because they're like, well, he listen, admitted it. He confessed and yeah. let's save everybody the hassle of a trial. Yeah. His family had agreed to the plea deal as well. You know, the family yeah. of the victims typically get a say. Yes. And um it ensured a longer prison sentence, and he was eventually sentenced to a total of forty five years in prison. Okay. His family was at the sentencing hearing, his brother Chris, his aunt, and his sister. They all spoke. Um, I spoke a little bit about what Lauren's statement said mm-hmm. earlier. And so, yeah, he whispered, um, I'm sorry, and was bawling, crying at his sentencing hearing. But I don't really believe it because of what happens later. Oh. Da-da-da. So, obviously, his parents' estate had several trustees of different family trusts and that sort of thing. And these trustees and personal representatives or whatever you, whatever they may be called, executors. Yes. It's different state by state. They filed a wrongful death suit against Adam. And I could find absolutely nothing about how that wrongful death suit turned out. Probably just got dropped, but. Yeah. They also had a separate issue with ensuring that Adam didn't get anything from his parents' estate. Now. Well, yeah. As a probate paralegal, this is extremely fascinating to me because nine times out of ten, um, in Florida, we have, like, something called the Slayer Statute. I don't know that much about it, but essentially, yeah, you kill them, you don't get access to their money. But yes. his attorneys tried to say that because Adam was insane at the time of the crime, that he was entitled to part of their estate slow blank you know now you know why i say you're not sorry uh adam had taken a plea deal and there was never any proven insanity so the judge was like no he can't get access to the estate he pled guilty yeah but yeah they tried that that's wild Mm -hmm. basically saying well he didn't know what he was doing so give him his money no horrible i i yeah i don't know what to say about that it's it's despicable honestly mm-hmm. i mean and you're serving 45 years yeah. in prison what do you need the money for i mean until you, i mean he, he went in at 19 yeah but still 
Well, he went in at 16, he served three years, and then he got sentenced. But his 45 years was on top of his previous time served. So he is serving 45 years. I mean, I get that at some point, he likely, if he lives, if he makes it through, he'll get out and still be young enough that, like, he needs to, you know, survive. But nevertheless, you know. In this case, it's frustrating because there's just not enough... Like, why? Where did this come from, my dude? Well, yeah, this has made me feel icky. It's not a good one. I just feel icky. Yeah, I do feel really bad for the family. Of um, course, I, I always feel oh, bad always, for always, the victims always. and the family. And it's crazy to me. Like, well, you know, it's one of those things, like, I suppose we can't. Hmm. Forms of abuse are such a weird thing. Because I'm sure that anybody who's been around it or been victim of an abuser can tell you stories of abusers keeping their shit together in front of mm-hmm. everyone else. And it's only yeah. when they're alone with that with the victim that they act out or that they lash out. So on one hand, I don't want to sit there and say, oh, it's totally not possible because the family said so. It's possible, but I don't know. That's crazy. It's tricky. And I think this is one of those things where we'll just never know. Yeah. Well. That's all. I guess that's all I'm trying to say is that it's all about perspective and who saw what and and you just not everybody knows everything. You can never. There's probably not a single person in the family or outside of the family that knows the whole story. I externally process. And so I'm just like going back and forth in my head as you're telling the story through all the different scenarios of like, well, maybe the friend was right, but maybe the family's right, but maybe, and I really don't want to jump to any conclusions and I'm not trying to victim shame or like even shame Adam. It's very confusing. Like obviously the kid, he has PTSD from committing this act. Yeah. So say his doctors. So... But he reloaded that shotgun every time. But yeah. And so it was clearly deliberated. It's just it's just such a tricky situation. Yeah. Well, I hope the best for their family and the children. Yes. And I hope that they're doing well because it sounded like they were they were there for each other during that time. And I can't yeah. say I blame them. I would definitely not I would definitely not be talking to the person who killed my parents. Oh, no. So no, I'm sure that people were like, I can't believe they turned their back on their brother. I can, and I don't blame them. I think that's the right thing to do. Families turn their backs on each other for far less. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All exactly. the time. For, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Even even if, honestly, even if the dad like did have some problems with being borderline or abusive, I don't think it's crazy for other family members to be like, uh, did you need to kill him? Like, that's yeah. extreme. This was not a very satisfying case, but you did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> and most of all, I'm sorry for the raccoon that we brought into this. This poor raccoon. Sorry, raccoon. Sorry, raccoon. Or wait, are we sorry to the people? That's my bad. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm just sorry about the raccoon in a lot of ways. <laughs> I feel really bad for like shaming raccoons, putting a bad name on raccoons. I mean, they are little bandits. Hey, they're just trying to make a living, feed their kids. Trying to feed themselves with their little, little hands. Rubbing their hands before they eat. <laughs> well, 
Anyway, if uh, you haven't already left, stay tuned. I'll probably throw in some of our the extra long bloopers that yeah, we will one, definitely get out of this case. This case, like, we laughed too much, so definitely. I'll, I'll put it in. Put some bloopers in. I'll put them in after the credits. Yeah, and Let if you made it, roll. if you made it all the way to the end of the episode, please leave us a little crown emoji because prom. Uh, yeah, maybe it should be a raccoon. Maybe it should be a raccoon. Yeah, I like the raccoon better. Yeah, leave us a raccoon. Leave us a raccoon with a crown. Yeah, you get bonus <laughs> points if he has a crown. If he has a crown on, yeah. If you find an emoji of that. There's no. no emoji, but if you find if you put the raccoon and then the crown emoji, I will accept. Yes. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, good job. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. We'll talk to you next week. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com. Not that this matters. It's not going to be nearly as funny to listeners unless I, one day, <laughs> one day I can get my husband to come on here and do his Big Jim impression. Yes. Because he used to work with a guy named Big Jim. If you didn't know better, if my stepdad hadn't also worked with them, I wouldn't have thought he was a real person. I would, <laughs> I would have thought it's just a character that my husband made up, but it, I, yep, I found that it is not. He is a, he he was well rest in peace he's no oh, longer with us but rest in peace big jim um yeah his his whole stance he was big he was like over 65 i think he was like 67 oh, or something oh gosh that's large and uh yeah and the things that he would say like he told <laughs> he told Matt one time i wish i was as young as you <laughs> and Matt's like okay yeah what why is that and he's like so i could think of the dumb shit that you think <laughs> Anyway. I love that. Sorry. So hearing Big Jim, I can't yeah. help but think of our Big Jim. Big Jim. Oh, rest in peace. My uncle, uh, his name is Jim, but he goes by Big Slim. Nice. Actually, I think it's just Slim, so this isn't actually relevant at all. <laughs> <laughs> Other than he's also tall and named Jim. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Uncle Jim. <laughs> I have a cousin that's a big Jim, too, but I don't know that anybody actually calls him big Jim. Have we ever known any small Jims? <laughs> Regular Jim was I had written big Jim. <laughs> Regular Jim. <laughs> and uh, this has gotten out of hand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Everything I say, dirty. I know, you just, you it just it. happens to be. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, Don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to us. We're so dumb. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Kind of sounded like that little girl, Ava. Um, I love her. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Freaking bats. Mom, them. get my nuts. <laughs> Do you That's my favorite one I was ever. Gonna, I was Mom, ask get my nuts. <laughs>
And I was going to ask if you follow her on TikTok. You know, she's TikTok famous like now. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. I don't follow her closely anymore now that she's older. She's still funny. Oh, but she's hilarious. Yeah. yeah but the, her her vines and stuff from so when she good. was little. Oh, my God. Smell but that, like beef. That nuts one. I smell, smell like beef. beef. <laughs> the other day, somebody commented and told her, oh, your mom must be scripting. And she said, and she said you think that my mother could come up with all of this? <laughs> I talk so fast. Yeah, no. No, I, nobody's making that there, up for her. There are kids that you can tell it's scripted, but with her, yeah. I always I always believed, no, she's she's an awesome weirdo. She's Mom, get my awesome... nuts! Mom, get my nuts! <laughs> get my nuts! Anyway, back to murder. <laughs> and the other, oh, my other favorite is, I'm 16. <laughs> I'm a grandmother. <laughs> that one was great, too. That's how I feel. I feel so, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, folks. All right, well, we're going to talk about the sad. Rough like, ride the today. <laughs> <laughs> if we have any new listeners, they like they clicked out. It is not always like this, I no, promise. This is definitely... This is a lot today. This is the worst of us, I think. <laughs> or the best. Depends on who you ask. 